bro. Good morning. How you doing? Yeah, man. Not bad. Not bad. It is a week uh, stuck at home, obviously, because we're all on lockdown, learning new things. One interesting thing that I've learned living with a lady is previously it would take me about a week to finish a roll of, of toilet paper. <laughs> now it takes a day. Yeah. Um, ab- ab- about <laughs> that, you're going to learn a great deal about yourself first. I'm going to say yourself for those people who are going to want to jump on me by saying, oh, he's going to imply that you're going to learn a great deal about her. Yes, you will learn a great deal about her. You'll learn a great deal about yourself. Um, economically, your food shop, just shopping for the household is going to double and then quadruple once kids come to the equation. Oh, no, I don't think it's going to double, bro. I think it's going to... I think even in our situation, it's probably going to triple simply because I I live so lean mm. in terms of the way that I shop. Um, I live like a very poor person. Um, my food shop in a typical week is about £20 per week. That's incredible. Um, part of that is, that part, or it was, let me say it was. Um, part of that is simply because I yeah, cook all of my meals and it's a lot cheaper when you do that. Um, and yeah, I think right now it's probably going to be around 60, 70, which still is not bad. No. All things considered. So although it's tripled, maybe quadrupled, um, I'm still under what some people might spend on themselves in a week for food. So yeah, like I'm, 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 I'm aware and prepared for that one. I think there are going to be some other surprises along the way. Embrace it. That is my recommendation. Do not fight any of it and learn just to accept that it's the new norm. Um, we're living in a world where the new norm is having to be appreciated constantly. Um, I live in a world where <laughs> Very true. my kids don't like bananas anymore, but they like strawberries. My son's gone off chicken and now likes prawns a lot. Oh, so he's he's bougie now. He's, bro. They, he's bougie. He, <laughs> when did this happen? He's on soya milk. I don't like bananas. And she's on oat milk. These are privileged people. But yes, it's the world we live in. Wow. <laughs> How are you, bro? Very well, very well. Um, I'm finding the world fascinating right now. Like, it's just incredible to watch. It would be mm. openly entertaining if it wasn't real. Yeah. But because it's real, it's quite horrifying. <laughs> I just find it amazing how, referring to just the political situation and just ideas which are developing steam and becoming just common practice, the world is changing Mm. rapidly. And it does emphasize how we cannot afford to remain stagnant, first in the way that we think, in the way that we view the world, because you could just be blindsided in the way that the world was blindsided by Trump and the way that Trump is refusing to admit that he's been blindsided by Biden. Things are changing rapidly. Yeah. Is there anything in particular that's got you concerned or got you got you intrigued? Not particularly concerned, but I'm just fascinated with how the person who wins the rhetorical battle wins the debate. Mm. So it's not based on this subject nature of something being right or wrong it's more no i had 71 million votes more votes than obama yes Mm. which is true but 
people also voted in higher numbers than ever beforehand. So what was your percentage like? And I think we're very easily drawn to headlines and emotive statements. And I'm just noticing how, as supposedly evolved, educated people, we can get swept up by rhetoric and propaganda. Yeah, it's you know what, it's um it's something which really interests me as a, a former statistician because I can un- I understand how statistics can be manipulated and used to evoke emotion. Mm. And I'm not saying that I'm above that because I'm definitely not, we all are, but sometimes we get consumed by a message and don't actually look at the underlying comments. Perfect example, which got um, highlighted to me, was, um, did you know that 25% of people who are homeless are women? Which means we need to do something about that. And I was like, that is really bad. Mm, but think about but the phrasing. If you look at, it's the phrasing, because if you look at that, that means 75%. <laughs> Of homeless people are men. But if you just put, you know, if you put the wording in a certain way, then you can manipulate statistics to to really have an emotive impact on someone. Mm. Um, And yeah, you know, if you don't necessarily have a, you know, statistical background, certain phrases or certain comments are really going to hit you. 71 million people voted for me. As you said, though, what is the proportion or votes, what percentage is that? Because if it was 71 million out of 4 billion, then it's barely anything. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, and I mean, another good example is when it comes to taxes. When, when companies say, we've spent 3 million pounds on tax. Well, how much revenue did you make, exactly. Amazon? Um, so, so, yeah, that, you know, those, those types of comments are re- really get under my skin. One thing that I'm really hoping for now that we have gotten to the other side of the general election in the States or the presidential election is that people actually move away from politics again. Uh, And what I mean by that is I think the last four years have been highly um, polarizing as a result of who's been in charge and understandably, but it's a worrying state of affairs where when the average person on the street is politically aware. The only time when, you know, the average person is politically aware is when something has gone incredibly wrong. I don't really care who's driving my train if the train is getting me to my destination. The only time where I'm worried about who the train driver is is when (laughs) it's it's coming off the tracks. Mm -hmm. From their perspective, something has gone horribly wrong. Absolutely. I think what I'm having to appreciate is that 71 million people actually did vote for him. This mm. wasn't a blip. Trump is the Trump before Trump. There's a real Trump yeah. coming in the future. There's a real Trump coming. And this is my biggest concern when it comes to the rhetoric that people are using because it is so easy to just brush these people aside and say, no, they're just all racist and they're all white supremacists. Mm. Okay. (laughs) If you believe that, then unfortunately, you're falling into the trap, which is going to get another Trump re-elected. 
And as I've, I'm one of the things, um, there's a book, um, there's a book by a lady called Rennie Edo Lodge, which is something along the lines of why I am done talking to white people about race. Very interesting book, and it you know it breaks down um, some of the re- really kind of comprehensive arguments for um, systematic racism and why it needs to be disbanded, etc., uh, uh, etc. Et um, and there, there's another book which I think I need to write, which is why I need to, or, or why I've stopped talking to politically unaware people about politics because it's pointless at this stage and more so it's football it's Man City versus Man United it's Chelsea versus Arsenal you're not actually talking to people about what they really care about you're talking to people about the colours on their shirt and I am so victim of that when it comes to football Mario Balotelli was one of the most awful players on the planet <laughs> until he started playing for Liverpool. Then I loved him. Yeah. And people are the exact same with politics. And most people don't even realise that they are that way. Most people hated Biden until they realised that he was going to be going up against Trump. Now he's fantastic. I see. Most people hated Kamala when they, when they found out her, her track record as a DA. But when they found out she was going against Trump, now now she's our girl. So yeah, there's there's a lot of that in politics, and I'm done talking to people who don't know what they're talking about about it. But but then vice versa. Whilst I agree with that, I'm starting to see that there are many people who are well versed, but are still ignoring characteristics for political agenda, i.e., the number of people who vote for Trump purely because he's a Republican, and Republicans are deeply ingrained in American Christian society, is fascinating Mm. to me. Because there's a huge moral dilemma there. The party allegedly supports your beliefs. The head of the party (laughs) consciously opposes all of your beliefs. But you, you still vote for him. And I, I'm not questioning whether that's right or wrong. I'm just encouraging people to question whether they're aware of what they're actually doing. It's a cognitive dissonance. And that seems to be my favorite word at the moment. My wife talks about it all of the time. But I think it is some sort of, a, uh, you know, pathology which has infected a lot of people. Because, you know, right now, the prime minister of a Tory government in the UK has got his quote-unquote mistress, pregnant mistress, um, living with him in number 10. No one cares. And the Conservative Party is is the party of, you know, the Christian family, isn't it? So, yeah, it's, and it's, it's, you know, this is our, this is our team captain. So, flaws and all, he's better than the alternative, which is the red team. Fortunately, I'm glad to see and hear that there are more people that are almost stepping away from the matrix and realise that it, that it's all against all at the moment. And yeah, this is this is pageantry, um, and we need to be aware of that because 
One of the things that's become very clear to me is how powerful marketing is to the masses. Mm. And maybe because I've worked in marketing for a while, a lot of it doesn't necessarily impact me because I can almost observe it from an external perspective and say, oh, that was really good marketing there. Brexit means Brexit. That's really strong marketing. Yep. Um, but then you look at other people who are actually fully drawn into it and go, oh, you know what? this is actually really negative for society. A lot of people are like, why do I have to sit through so many adverts? You know, I'm not going to buy anything. Well, Coca-Cola isn't going to be spending millions, if not billions of pounds on adverts if you weren't impacted by adverts. So somehow we brought a political conversation back into the realm of entrepreneurship and business. Which it should be. Because if you are currently aware of the rhetoric you use to make you believe in certain things, then you're able to shift from being a recipient to a procreator of it. How can you yes. market what you have? Yes, 25% of homeless people might be women. Whilst that statistic might work against you, flipping that statistic could potentially package your product or service to seem as if it's something which is really good. Mm. And yeah, it links back to a conversation that we had a while ago and something that T.D. Jakes said right at the beginning of lockdown. He asked a question, which is, are you a consumer or a producer? Um, and, and he talked about it from the perspective of people being so terrified of being on lockdown um, because they can't go anywhere. But from people like him who grew up kind of in the middle of nowhere, who had to produce all of his own um, food then, you know, this is just life for me. I know how to turn parsnips and a, a, a chicken that's walking around in my back garden into a meal. And if you almost get yourself sucked into the idea of solely being a consumer, not only of goods, but also of messages, then you are putty in the hands of the people who are the best producers of messages. Mm. I love these ramblings. Me too, me too. I don't, know how they, I don't know how other people listening to it feel about it, but sometimes we just need to get things off our chest. As I said, there are very few people I can have these types of conversations with. So even if it's a short one, um, I'll, I'll take advantage of it. But and you're just a voyeur listener right now. You're just listening into our conversation. So Honestly. Yeah. And if it wasn't for the fact that there is somewhat of an agenda, this would continue, people. So If you want to keep back. us on track... <laughs> If you guys want to keep us on track, then you need to come and join us. Come sit in the hot seat with us and tell us to move on. Otherwise, then, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll keep our rambling going. Um, but with that said, we love you and welcome to Expensive Lessons, the podcast where company directors share their experiences, share the fruit of their labor with people who are aspiring to be different, aspiring to be innovative, to, to be entrepreneurs themselves or just to, to kill it at life. And today we have an expensive questions episode. Now, the last one of these we had was Mental Health Awareness Week. So we focus that solely around a mental health question that we had. And if you want to check that episode out, it's a couple of uh, episodes back um, in our catalogue. Really good episode, really enjoyed it. And if you uh, really feel like you're being challenged based on, you know, trying to produce and also trying to keep 
keep a good grasp of your mental health, I'd really recommend checking that out. Today, we're going to be delving into some more of your questions. And we've got a range here. Um, and yeah, really just want to get your thoughts on how we're doing with these uh, questions. And uh, I'll, I'll delve into to why I asked that a little bit later on. But we had almost a rebuttal to one of our conversations previously, which wanted us to delve in a bit further. So um, if you feel like we haven't answered your questions to a detailed enough degree, we'd really love for you to get in touch with us and, and to to yeah, steer us to, to answering a question that you feel would be helpful to you. But without further ado, let's delve into these questions. Let's do it. Um, so, so the first one that we got is a really interesting one because I've got some experience on that quite recently. But it's where do you find co-finders for newly established businesses? So this comes from somebody who's got a recently, uh, uh, a recent startup and is keen to understand how she can find a co-founder or co-founders to help her take her business to the next level. Afalabi, thoughts? Okay, let's go for it. Upon listening to that question, first I have to try to review who's asking the question and looking at the phrasing mm -hmm. in the question. So the question is, where can I find co-founders uh, for a recently established business? You, you can't. You're going to find a co-director potentially. You you are the founder. That business is already established. If the question's accurate, if the business is already established, you are its founder. You're looking for someone else to try to help you steer this ship. So the second step is, okay, first you acknowledge you're the founder. There isn't going to be another founder. That is you. Second step, acknowledge you and your strengths and weaknesses before actually looking for someone else to jump on your bandwagon. What do you actually want that person to do other than lighten your load? Because you can employ people to lighten your load. Is it for strategic direction? Is it that you have done an audit of your own skills and your own attributes and you realize that you're brilliant on the front line and that's where really you should stay? But you need someone actually looking up to ensure that the troops are marching in the right direction. Is that the aim? Or is it for someone to actually work on the, the marketing aspect? Is it for the, someone to help you with the numbers? So first I would ask that person, okay, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? Where can those gaps be plugged? And based upon what they have said, is that a co-director? Because it might not necessarily be. It might be that you just need to employ highly effective individuals to manage and lead on a lower level. If it is that you actually need a specific director, once you've done that audit, I would personally then reach out to my tried and tested, not for them to necessarily fulfill that role, but to begin to advertise that role within their networks, using my network to expand up to their networks, using vehicles such as LinkedIn, making it formalized in terms of an actual advert on Indeed, for example but ensuring that everything which has been requested has been refined to that specific area that you have seen as a deficit within yourself. Otherwise, you might find that you're bringing someone on who is doing exactly what you're doing. And yes, there is a, an, an addition, but there isn't necessarily a multiplication because those gaps aren't being filled. Pushing mm. it even deeper, your personality type. Um, there are many... Uh, 
many uh, almost of frameworks to try to understand what kind of personality type you are, whether it be like the Myers-Briggs, whether it be the, the um, see me, color me profiles. Who are you as a leader and what do you need? Are you a, a, a blue, a, a more composed, um, logical, strategic, uh, a do it right kind of person? And have you realized that actually you're doing it right means that it that you don't do it now <laughs> and thus you procrastinate mm. a little bit too much and maybe that's the kind of individual you need so you've identified okay you need someone for the numbers but you need someone for the numbers who's not only fantastic for the numbers but upon speaking to them and interviewing them you want to try to identify those red aspects those goal-driven those explicit achievement target based focus people who are going to do it now and you will then almost temper them so they won't necessarily be a, a perfect symmetry between the two of you because there will be friction but it will result in almost a symphony of greater produce mm. um what can i add to that i think that's really comprehensive um I hope that makes sense. I think, <laughs> uh, well, one thing I would say is maybe change tack. So if you spend a lot of time seeking a co-director or a co-founder, uh, as Afalabi mentioned, it really is dependent on the maturity of your business. Because when we talk about established, are we talking about a business that is already gaining revenue? Or are we talking about a business that has a logo and you have a business card? Mm. Um, but potentially changing tack could help. And rather than you searching for a co-director, you let the co-directors find you. Mm. And how do you do that? Well, promote your business and promote the vision for your business in very visible areas, social media, LinkedIn, etc. Let people know what your business is about and give them the call to action to get in touch with you. So using the channels that you're already on to actually say, this is what the company is about. This is the company vision. Yeah. If you're interested in finding out more, if you're interested in joining a team, get in touch. And what that does is that takes some of the burden off you in terms of you know, looking for that diamond in the rough. Because then you know anybody who's reaching out to you will have some sort of culture fit within your business. Now that doesn't always work because at a very immature stage of your business, you might not have much to offer, but I think this is an important exercise anyway, because if you are gonna recruit anybody into your business, you need a very clear vision for the future of your business. Otherwise they're not gonna stay for very long. Mm. Um, so actively practicing that exercise of saying, this is my vision for the business with uh, a video or a glossy slide deck to actually pull people in is only going to help you and if that's you know publicly available then you might have people reaching out to you as opposed to the yeah. other way around i really like that methodology because it's not explicitly seeking a co-director and um, why i like that is mm. that the, the co-director might not necessarily start out as a co-director um, in some it. strange ways, it might start out as someone who is just a, a supporter, um, a potential coach, a mentor, 
even a manager within the business. What I like about that is it... Oh, sorry, I, was, I cut you short. No, please carry on. Carry on. I think you were going to say what I was going to say anyway. I, I really like the fact that it's... goes back to what we mentioned about hiring slow and firing quick. Mm. Now, of all the positions you could potentially fill, that a co-director slash co-founder one is the most important and thus really needs yeah. to be the one which you take your time with the most. Don't rush it. Everyone's looking for someone else to help them push that boulder up the hill. Forgetting that the person who's helping you push the boulder up the hill doesn't have to be your co-founder or co-director. Ideally, in that analogy, you want your co-founder to have run up the hill <laughs> to help you avoid the pitholes. So take your time in that pursuit. Absolutely. And like, like Afalabi said previously, you're looking for somebody who addresses your weaknesses. So when you're looking for an employee or a staff member, primarily you're looking for somebody who can do some of the things that you aren't willing or able to do. Mm. And once you've found that person, then there's some good uh, complementary capability there. And depend, depending on the maturity, the um, uh, capability of that individual, they may be somebody who you might want to offer a role as a director. Um, and one of the key reasons why you might want to offer the role of a director to somebody is simply because you can't afford them. Yep. And being a director of a company comes with other privileges, other incentives, as opposed to salary. Um, but that doesn't mean you, 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 you give anybody directorship because you might not want to clean your office space and you might not be able to afford a cleaner. That cleaner shouldn't be the director of your business just because you can't afford to pay them a salary. Yeah. Similarly, you might not have the time to process orders maybe customer service, for instance, you may be lacking time on, on customer service and can't necessarily afford a customer service manager or operations manager. Now, just because you can't afford to pay them through salary doesn't make them a viable candidate for a director role. So I think there's, there really needs to be a suggestion as to, or an understanding as to what qualities in your business make a good director because not all workers make good leaders and a director Agreed. is a co-leader um, and that, that's definitely worth thinking about I think the other thing to, to be conscious of especially with this higher slow uh, fire fast situation is that you may not get to grips with somebody's capability in the first couple of months especially at director level you might not understand what type of person they are in a working environment in the first couple of months. So offering a role as a director in your business often comes with a, an ownership stake in your company. Mm. And to find out that somebody six months, eight months down the line isn't what you wanted in a director yeah. can be very upsetting. 
So really take your time with it. And there are a f- couple of mechanisms that you can use to, to consider that. One is a non-executive directorship. So you can look at a non-executive director and transition them into the position as a director later down the line or a co-founder, whatever you want to term it. And what that is, is somebody who, as Afalabi said, is a mentor, a coach, um, a consultant for your business, at least initially, somebody who's willing to sit down to you, sit down with you and speak to you about your business and provide you with useful insight for free. And then consider shifting that into a um, exec, executive director role. Now, some, sometimes, I said for free, sometimes you may pay these people. Um, if you're working, if, if you're a non-exec director on a board of a FTSE 500 company, then that's, that's pretty much the only job you need to be getting a, you know, living, uh, a, a decent living salary. Um, you may meet once a quarter with the other board and provide useful information, whether it's your network, whether it's insight, whether it's um, useful financial mechanisms to help the company save money, whatever it may be. But these are some of the different ways that you can actually delve into understanding who you're going to be working with and whether they're a good fit for your business. Now, how do you find these people? Now, there's a couple of different ways um, and none of them are going to be particularly groundbreaking or surprising. There isn't a magic well uh, and at the bottom of that well are people sitting just waiting to be directors of your company. These people are always found in the nooks and crannies. They are either going to be found through your existing network, family and friends, um, where you maybe actually reach out to people who you know have got businesses and ask them, if is there anybody in their network that you can speak to for advice about your business? It's not, can I find a director? Is it, can I find somebody to help yes. provide insight on my business? And that person may become a director. Can you share the, who do you know that I should know question? Well, this is a really important question, which I have only found in the, the last couple of, couple of years. But it's a very powerful question, one that we don't necessarily ask as, as much as we should. Um, if people in your circle know you well, then they will know what your ambitions are. And this is the importance of actually sharing your vision for the future with anybody who listen. Because what that then does is that gives them insight into what you're trying to achieve. And if they like you, and if they like your vision, they will support in any way that they can, including putting you in front of people who can help you with your business. So one of the questions that I asked there, simply if it's not already volunteered to me, when I'm speaking to my friends, maybe after I've shared my vision, is who do you know who you think I should know? And don't expect an immediate response. You may not, go, you may not get a response that day, yeah. but that question is going to stick with that person. And the aim there is for that person to go away and think about their network and think about who they should pair you with. Back in the day before social media and digital technology took over, we had matchmakers, um, people who would think about who their friends were and think about who would actually make a good pair from a relationship standpoint. We should still be considering that from a business or entrepreneurship standpoint. Oh, this person is trying to 
gets uh, an MBA degree. Oh, this person's already done an MBA. Why don't I put them in touch with each other? Mm. Um, but unless you volunteer the information that you're looking, people aren't necessarily going to volunteer that information. So that simple question, who do you know that I should know, just offers up that kind of green light to your friends to put you in touch with people. And that's how I've found mentors, but that's also how uh, mentees have found me. So some of the people that I mentor were found because they asked that question. And my friends said, basically, Abby, I found somebody who's, yeah, really uh, ambitious. They're going down a similar route as you. Would you mind having a conversation with them? And that conversation turned into a formal mentoring relationship. It's such a powerful question, people. Um, oftentimes, some of our conversations are very high level. And I, we think about tweezing out the tangible actions. That is a tangible action and one to be held in your back pocket in every interaction. It's one which will secure jobs for you personally and for other people. And just to reiterate that point, you need to be crystal clear on what your vision is. Because if you're not, then the friends in your circle aren't going to be able to help you with that question. Because the people that they're going to put you in touch with are going to be linked to what your aspirations are. So if, you're, if your view is that I don't really know what I want, I don't really know where I'm going, mm -hmm. then that question isn't going to help you. The point of that question is, this is what I'm trying to achieve. These are my objectives. Who do you know who could help me reach those objectives? Yeah. The incredible part of that is that everyone is constantly holding back. Everyone is holding back subconsciously and consciously based upon the power of your question, based upon whether you can show that you are ready. If I have a valuable asset in terms of a relationship, I might not introduce you to that individual until you show that you are ready to be worth worthy of that person's time. Because you might embarrass me. So the power of your question will encourage me to reflect upon okay is she or he ready okay speak to me again about your vision what have you done so far now i'm actively participating in you speaking to me whilst previously i was thinking about talking to someone else but you've engaged me yeah no that's a really important point because i do have some very inspiring people in my contacts list and I've got some very eager people in my contacts list. Now, the reason why I haven't made the connection with some of those people is because some of those eager people haven't demonstrated to me that they aren't going to waste other people's time. Yep. And if I'm not sure whether you'll be wasting people's time, then I'm not going to make that connection. You can waste my time all you want. Because if, if, we're, if we're communicating, it means I like you and I'm happy to be here for you as a sounding board. But I'm not going to volunteer my inspiring friend's time to you if I, there is a risk that you're going to waste it. So if you give off the impression that you're a time waster or you haven't really thought things through, then don't be surprised if people aren't willing to make that connection. It's the... It's a perfect example of the Pareto distribution in action or the Matthew principle. Yeah. To those who have much, much will be given. To those who have little, 
what should be taken away. As soon as you start developing a vision, as soon as you start to gather momentum around your idea, as soon as you become more confident around your idea, then don't be surprised that more people are going to latch onto it and help but make it become more successful. I really hope that helped. For the person who sent that question in, um, we've really gone into it. Please, please, please respond in terms of follow-up questions. Don't just end it there and let us know how you've actioned it. Great stuff. Well, we've got another question, which is somewhat linked. And I, I, what the, the theme that I'm noticing is that a lot of the people listening have got queries about how they engage with others, specifically how they engage with strangers who can help them with their business. So this next question is kind of off the same thread, but it's effective networking as a business owner and an entrepreneur. How do you make your network work for you? Mm. I think for me, firstly, acknowledge that your network is crap. Um, <laughs> irrespective of how good you think it is, because it's not good enough for your vision. If it was, you'll be there already. So start from scratch. Um, start from scratch and start to create hypothetical quadrants of people that you would like to meet. Find the synergy with them. Find out where these people go, hang out, who knows them, and then act, pursue them. So going back, um, I said that your network is crap. And, and I said that to just to shock you, to kind of wake you up, that I think oftentimes we, we overemphasize what we have and who we know. When the reality is currently there are people who are thinking about someone like you or you specifically, but you haven't entered the room yet. And the way for you to enter that room is to think beyond who you currently know. Yes, utilize your existing resources, exhaust them. But I'm, I'm assuming that the person who sent this question has already somewhat exhausted their current resources. So park those relationships, thank them, um, love them feed those networks, but acknowledge that there is an entire world out there which you do not know. So start, okay, audit. What do I want to know and who might be attributed to it? So there might be specific skills, there might be specific um, knowledge or understanding within your industry that you might want to know. And then from that research, you might be able to start putting names to the attributes. It might be that there are specific organizations who are killing it and in reality, for you to be a an old guard to one day be an old guard within your industry you have to engage with them they need to know who you are and you need to know who they are okay who's actually behind it what are the names can you reach out to them even if they're offering exactly the same service or products they should know you and you should know them so once you've created this quadrant of all of these different um, skills knowledge attributes linked to people that are behind these skills, knowledge, attributes, reach out to them. Reach out to them via um, email, via LinkedIn, and offer something. They're constantly having people reach out to them because there are a number of people who've done what you have just done previously. And they may have been successful, they may not have been successful. But be persistent. Whittle it down to a handful, like literally under five and pursue these individuals with something that you can offer them. Is it that you are pitching yourself as 
the Michelangelo in your industry and you have that next best thing. And what you are interested in doing is sharing it with them and cutting it up so it becomes that raw diamond. Is it that you are just a fan and you are commenting on something that they have done, something that they have written, something that they have shared, and you are posing a genuine question? Whatever tact you take, ensure that you reach out to them and appreciate that they might not respond straight away, but be persistent. Find out where they're going to speak find out where they have close links to. It might be that there is an environment that they used to work or there is an individual that they used to support who you could reach out to. That person is not necessarily a surrogate, but they're an offspring of that great individual that you now realize actually will take your personal attributes, your knowledge, your business to the next level. Go to the offspring. Pander to them almost. Acknowledge them as a fountain of knowledge. Learn as much as you can from them. And as what Abby said previously, once they feel that you are ready, they will pass you on. Because they do not want to waste that relationship because they are a benefactor of that great. And they're not going to want to downplay their growth in the eyes of that great by bringing someone who they don't feel is able to actually stand within that arena. So I'd say one of the key points that I've pulled out from what you said, um, it sounds simple, but it is heavily complex, especially for people in today's day and age, is just know your network. Yeah. I think you can't get the most out of your network if you don't know who they are or what they do. And most of us, we've got maybe hundreds of people in our contacts list. We've got hundreds of people on social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, social media, but we don't actually know them. And if we don't know them, we can't get the most out of them. So if I was going to ask you the question, you know, which one of your, which one of your network, which member of your network has got the most followers on Instagram? Which member of your network has recently done an MBA? Which member of your network has just got investment for a business? Which member of your network just got a promotion or a new job in a company that you're interested in? Mm -hmm. If you're not aware of this information, then you're not going to be able to best utilize it. Information is key here. Now, how do you do that? Well, you have to speak to them. And which is very strange because we have our networks, we've got social media, we've got um, LinkedIn, etc. But when we receive a message out of the blue or when we send a message out of the blue, there's still some anxiety there. Like, yeah. should I be doing this? Well, yeah, of course you should. You connected for a reason. You didn't just connect so that you'd have X number of people in your connections list or X number of people following. You connected because you want to actually connect. Yeah. Um, and if this person is unwilling or unable to communicate with you, using the channels that you have connected on, then are they really worth being a connection? So reach out to these people. Hey, how are you doing? Long time no speak. Really would like to find out what you're up to. How about a Zoom call? How about we, we catch up uh, um, over, you know, o over FaceTime? Or how about we catch up on the phone? You know, or simply just on the, on the platform, direct message. Hey, how's it going? What have you been up to lately? just to see what people share. Now, as I said, if people aren't willing or able to communicate back, it doesn't mean you have to delete them, but you realize that, okay, well, maybe this person isn't able to, to help me. Maybe I'm not able to help them. 
But just by doing that with a few people, let's say if you choose one or two people to do that with a week, that will immediately impact your prospects as a business owner, as an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Literally just pick two or three people a week to send a message to and say, hey, how's it going? How's life? Because there's two things here. People, individuals, are infinitely more interesting than you think they are. There's so much going on in everybody's lives that it's incalculable, it's incalculable, should I say, how interesting or how valuable they may be as members of your network. Hey, I just got married and my husband is an investor in um, small startups. Hey, I... Um, just started in this new company and we're looking to work with small businesses. Um, hey, I just got a promotion in this brand new company and they're looking for people with your skill set. I'd say 80% of the conversations that you have may not bear much fruit for you as a business owner, but I'd say... 50, if not 60% of those conversations are going to be incredibly interesting. Yeah. And you're not going to regret having made that, that connection. Um, so yeah, just taking that step in order to, to delve into your network, who they currently are, so that you're actually aware of how they might be able to help you. But even better, even more important, how you are able to help them. Sorry, you're going to say something? I feel like no, because it's... What you're saying is, is so true. It's so, so true. Because I think oftentimes we limit what we think we are going to get from that individual purely because we're not going for a genuine relationship. <laughs> we're going to try to take something mm. from them. And as you're about to, to continue speaking on that reciprocity and us giving, if you have, if you genuinely reach out and move beyond them being an email contact or a, a follower on social media to you actually having their telephone number, you'll be surprised in years to come when people actually speak of that person and you're like, without trying to brag, oh yeah, I've got their number. Which has happened a few times recently where my wife has mentioned someone on, on social media. I'm like, oh yeah, I worked with her in 2017. And she just looks at me thinking, and you didn't mention this? Because it's, it's not as a significant issue for me because it's become mm. a person and not the brand. My wife is thinking about the brand. I'm, I'm now thinking about the individual. And if you are honestly trying to develop that relationship and you're doing it systematically with the purpose of helping them, making it mutually beneficial, you might not get something then or what you aspire for then, but it will always be in the future that they remember that you engaged with them and you did not take from them. So when something comes about in the future, whether it be for yourself or someone that you know, someone's reached out to you, who do you know that I should know? And you're like, oh yeah, I do know this person. I've got their telephone number. Let me just contact them first. You're, you're able to unearth that relationship once again. I mentioned previously that good communication is going to be a superpower in the future. Mm. Um, I also believe that maintaining and blossoming relationships is also going to be a superpower. And those two things, communication and you know relationship building, they're not mutually exclusive. You don't necessarily need to be a great communicator to have great relationships. Yeah. But I think it is so valuable when people make the effort 
to just pick people at random that you have connected with over the years and just ask how they're doing and not do, and the thing is you want to turn it into a habit so that you're not doing it from a place of oh well I need you now so I'm going to speak yes. to you it's more a case of well, I'm generally interested in how you are and I just want to find out what's going on because the conversation may flip this is the other thing that you need to be aware of where you may pick somebody thinking they're going to help you and it turns out you're going to be the one helping them so being understanding of that that may be the case and being willing within that relationship to 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 follow up on promises is going to put you in good stead for the future um the final thing that i want to mention with this question is connect to the individuals who can help you with specific elements of your business your business is a unicorn it's your baby which means it's beautiful even the ugly ones and no other business is going to be like it and therefore what are the elements of your business which need direct and immediate focus and it could be a range of things it could be the technology it could be operations it could be public relations it could be finances marketing it could be social media where which specific area is the big area of concern investment potentially and you can almost categorize your network based on those skills now some some of your network members are going to be in more than one pot but once you actually understand okay what is it i'm trying to achieve it's a lot easier then to actually narrow down your network into maybe 10 or 15 people yeah. who have that specific skill set now with that you could obviously reach out to the people that you know but on top of that you could also start reaching out to new people now one of the key questions is well how do we do that with our in our current environment well this is an area that i i, I am still yet to fully maximize but in this period the amount of free virtual events that you can sign up to and join on zoom mm. which have a introductory session right at the beginning has gone up exponentially i'm getting invitations to one pretty much every day yeah there's this online digital seminar and you obviously have to be very selective about the ones that you go to but there is no shortage of online virtual seminars to attend and that in itself is a great way to network and you can be the weirdo you can be the odd one out who introduces yourself right at the beginning of the zoom call and says hi my name is so and so my business is this you can check me out on linkedin you can check me out on social media etc etc would really love to connect with you now you might see those people like i do and think this person's a weirdo but i promise you that it's probably working for him otherwise they probably would have stopped they remembered people they remembered now in even in the zoom chat for instance if you're joining one of these seminars you could just add a link to your website or add a link to your linkedin and say would love to connect it's incredible because we were part of a program which lasted was it 3 or 4 months and mm. it's only in the last month or so this was a year ago it's only in the last month or so that I realized how many people were on it 
mm. because of the connections that we made. <clears throat> we made a connections with like, under 10, possibly, under 10 participants, but there were three times as much. <laughs> and mm. I was asking myself, okay, why is it that we only made connections with under 10? Because we were outgoing, we were speaking to everyone. And it's that the 60% who we didn't connect with didn't give anything. They didn't give themselves to it. So no one can remember that they were actually part of it. Now, don't be that person. Like, if you're going to participate in these events, actually be active. Now, when I mean give, I don't necessarily be the expert in the room. But I mean engage. Ask honest questions. Speak to people. But this is, I think... I think this is a so this is a question almost around social anxiety. We're stepping away from business again and talking about sociology. Apologies. But I think what yeah, we are talking about social anxiety here, which is some people step into a room and they fill the room with their energy. And other people find rooms full of strangers incredibly intimidating. Yeah. So what advice would we give to those to those people? The ones who step into the room and all they want to do is find a corner. Yeah and put their head into their phone and pretend like they're messaging someone. Okay, wonderful. I've seen you. I know who you are, by the way. Yes, you. <laughs> the person who, who's pretending like they're messaging someone. Right. What, do we, what advice do we have for that person? Know that you can evolve. First thing. Know that you can evolve, you can improve, but that feeling will always be there. And the people that you see doing it, executing it brilliantly, haven't necessarily got rid of that feeling but they've overcome it. So practical advice that I would give as someone who's a blue, so I am inherently introverted, which is a little bit ironic because I put on personas all the time because of the necessary attributes, um, just compliant to that situation. Whatever's necessary in that situation, I will be. If it, if it needs that I need to be the, the vocal person in that group, if it means I need to be the introvert within that group, I will do it. Go in and be honest. So you stepped into that room, it's a large room and there are 15 people, which makes it worse because there's a lot of space. It's not as if you're constantly beside someone, meaning you actually have to actively, pre-COVID, make an interaction with someone. Approach someone and, and introduce yourself and say, hi, um, my name is XYZ. This is the first time I'm here. Have you been here before? They, being extremely nervous also, will offer a one word answer, yes or no. If they say no because they're extremely nervous and they want to kill the conversation, you say, okay, um, I'm really normally nervous in these kind of situations. I find it really intimidating actually speaking to loads of people. What do you think is going to happen later on? From that question, they're going to appreciate that you have been honest and vulnerable. And there's something incredible about human beings. On most occasions, we don't like to step on someone who's already kneeling. <laughs> who's already mm -hmm. lying flat on their face, irrespective of what's happening on, in, in our life, we want to aid that person. Be willing to be the small boy in the room. A lot of people who struggle with this struggle because they think they have to be the big boy in the room. No. Be the little child in the room who is being introduced to um, by different people, who is being taken to, oh, here, we can go get one of these um, flutes full of apple juice to make it look like champagne and talk here. Oh, actually, I've seen that person before. Let me introduce you to that person. But be, be honest about your anxiety with one and invest time with that one and listen.
And don't speak about yourself. Once that person's actually opened up, they realize that, okay, you're social recluse and you're struggling and they'll start to speak about themselves. Continue to ask some questions about themselves. Allow them to speak about themselves. Don't bring it back to you and what you're doing. After a while, they'll realize that actually you're an active listener and you're someone who is paying attention to them. You're giving them your full concentration. Once you realize that, okay, that conversation is coming to almost like a natural end, state the obvious again and be vulnerable. This is a networking situation. I've really enjoyed this conversation. I found it difficult to approach you. Let's, who should we approach? They will happily be led by you right now, even though you feel as if you're being led by them. You make a joint decision within 10 seconds. Oh, there's that person over there um, who they've, they've spoken to everyone or they're on their own. That person being approached by the two of you is going to feel as if you're the big person in the room because you're currently matchmaking, going back to Abby's point. But all you are doing is being human and acknowledging your vulnerability and your anxiety. So going back, approach one person, introduce yourself, be honest, ask them, have they been here before? They're going to give you a monosyllabic response. Yes, no, most likely no. Don't end it there. Once they say no, share your vulnerability. I'm usually really nervous with these kind of situations. This is the first time I'm here. I don't necessarily know what to expect. Um, what do you think is going to happen? It will start a conversation, allow them to speak about themselves. And the key, the key bit there is that you're, open, you're asking an open-ended question, which can't elicit a monosyllabic response. You're asking a question which requires somebody to elaborate in more detail. Um, I'll, add, I'll add one really practical piece of advice and then one maybe more quirky piece of advice to what you've said. The practical piece of advice is that if you're in a room with capable networkers, capable networkers, you can tell them because they're the ones who look like they're holding court. Mm. And there's people who are gathering around them. One, one quality that capable networkers are is that they can see the quiet person in their peripherals and will bring them into the conversation. Yeah. They're holding court, they're having a conversation and they'll say, oh, what about yourself? What do you do? So the point there and the suggestion there is just find yourself in the proximity of a capable networker. You don't necessarily have to speak to them. Just join the conversation as a listener. If you see a group of people gathering around, join that conversation as a listener for a, conversa for, 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 a, for a discussion and watch how those capable networkers will draw you in to the discussion yep. and ask you questions. And what tends to happen is that group discussions led by a capable networker reach critical mass. At some point, there are six or seven people in that bubble, all standing in a circle, as Afalabi said, with their champagne flutes full of apple juice. And then what happens is once they reach critical mass, they splinter into smaller groups mm -hmm. where people have individual conversations based on one point that's been made during that discussion. And that's your opportunity to have a more intimate discussion. So if you're nervous about being the center of attention, etc., be aware that you may get drawn into introducing yourself, but also be aware that those large discussions will end up splintering into smaller ones at some point. And that's your opportunity yeah. to have maybe a more comfortable discussion. Very valuable. The second point, sorry, say again. No, just very valuable. 
Please try it, just see what happens. If you stand in the proximity of somebody who's capable at networking, if they're good at what they're doing, they will draw you into the conversation because they understand that introverts aren't the talkative ones and it doesn't mean that they don't have valuable insight. The second point, as I said, is a more quirky one, which is dress to impress. Now, I appreciate that this information isn't going to be valuable for you for like six months because right now you're <laughs> listening to this in jogging bottoms and a T-shirt with paint stains on it or toothpaste marks on it. But dress to impress. The reason why is that a compliment is a very good gateway into a discussion. If you dress with something quirky, something unique, maybe it's a brooch or a necklace or a chain or a head wrap, whatever it might be, don't be surprised that somebody comes to you and says, I really love your style. And that's the beginning of your discussion. Mm. So as I said, quite quirky because some people don't want to stand out. But if you're not a talker, but you like the way you dress, come with something unique and use that as a way of actually starting a conversation if you're really brave have 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 a logo or a, a a phrase on a shirt or something like that could that could draw people in but maybe that's a bit far me if i'm going into a network environment i'll come with at least one element of clothing which is somewhat unique that i could imagine someone complimenting yeah it's and what that does is it just brings people into the conversation it's what people who go on serial dates do so you might see some people who might go on a, a night out and you're wondering why on earth are they wearing that hat? Or why are there feathers coming out of their blazer? Or why on earth do they think they're a character from Game of Thrones? They're, they're all conversational. I feel like you're speaking about the same person. You're speaking about each, each of those examples. You're talking about the same person. I know who you're talking about. I love him. It's brilliant. But it's, we, we need to do an episode all on communication. Because communication is an art. Uh, episodes ago, I mentioned Simon Lancaster and, and rhetoric. As a child, I was an appalling communicator, but also rather good at it at the same time, in that I was a very good listener. Not because I chose to listen, but because I was just very introverted and didn't feel I had anything worthy of saying. But I listened to the advice which was given to me, often as critique, and it's advice which I often see other people needing. There are many of us who are struggling with networking because we're struggling to actually develop human connection. We don't actually look people in the eye when we speak. Now, it's very mm. difficult to keep the eye contact for more than 15 seconds. People will look away, especially when they're recalling information or they're thinking about ideas. That's completely fine. But aim to look at someone in the eye. And if you really struggle with this, look in between their eyes because they won't be able to tell whether you are looking at their eyes or not. But what it will do is it will, one, Show them that you're not being rude and completely ignoring them. Two, show them that you're overcoming your own anxiety. Because on many occasions, people are looking down the floor elsewhere just purely because they're nervous. Second tip, a lot's been said about body language and mirroring, etc., etc. I don't want to go down that route um, because it's just too artificial. But what I would suggest mm. is reflect upon how you're standing when people are usually nervous, they, they clam up and they don't realize they're doing it. Their shoulders go into their waists. Their feet are standing as if they are a military camp standing to attention. And it's not natural. 
It's not a natural pose. And that clamming up is actually forcing your internal organs to clamor also. It's, it's saying to your brain that there is danger, 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 protect the internal organs. Try to ensure that your feet are parallel to your shoulders. And, 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 and think, like literally think about the, the solidity of the ground below you. It is not going to crumble. You are not about to be swept up by something. You're, you're on solid ground, physically, but also metaphorically. You're meant to be in that room. It's okay. And use that as a starting point to express the way you wish to express. Third, listen. Listen and don't speak about yourself. Abby. Um, just to that last point, I think it was Dale Carnegie who said that to be interesting, you must be interested so I just want to kind of reinforce that message of listen. Don't, don't step into an environment if you're not going to actually be interested in people because it's very transparent when somebody isn't actively interested in what someone else has to say. Yes. Um, I also want to say that please revisit this in about six months when we're actually allowed to meet people again in person. Um, we may even have to do a um, episode on how to network with a face mask. <laughs> Where everyone's but adopting the, the rock eyebrow to communicate. Absolutely, interest. yeah. You're going to have to be incredibly expressive with your eyebrows in order to, to convey interest. Um, but let's, let's give the, the audience some immediate feedback. So we talked about networking more generally. But let's really drill down into this moment in time, which is incredibly unique. So our last question that we'll tackle today is, um, yeah, really personal one, which is you spoke of the importance of elevating your environment and expanding your circle if you're not being challenged. Do you have any practical recommendations on how to do this in a COVID world where creating real world connections is becoming more difficult? Great question, by the way. A really really good question um and, and challenging to answer my my initial response to that is what has actually changed so the, the, the one thing that's changed is that we cannot actually meet physically but we, we live in a world where for the last 30 years we have been able to meet via technology if you weren't using that technology prior um you really need to be using that technology now if you were using that technology prior, continue to use that technology now. Um, previously in this conversation, we've spoken about um, doing audits, audits on your own network, identifying what is needed, whether that be for a potential employee or co-founder or for someone who you just want to develop a, a genuine relationship with within your sector or industry. Once you've identified what the need is and take your time to do this don't just go for the person with the most followers or the the most glossy page on linkedin etc etc what exactly are you interested in learning once you've identified that and identified the individuals genuinely reach out to them now i go back to the question of what has actually changed and my point there was yes we cannot meet physically but all that's being suggested right now could have and should have been done prior to social distancing and lockdown. Um, send, curate that message 
Take your time to create that message. Have other people proofread it and check it. Not too short, but a message where you are showing genuine interest, intrigue, question, and offering something to that individual. Genuine interest. They're going to receive several different messages. Why are you messaging them? Genuinely, why are you messaging them? Mm. Question. A real question. The, the, the power of the question is understated. What is your actual question? Please don't ask, uh, who can I think of? Steve Wozniak, um, how he built Apple. If he does respond to you, he might just send you a YouTube link where he's spoken about that on Oprah show or something like that. A real genuine question. <laughs> something which makes them think, oh, I haven't actually been asked that before. Or actually, I, I can see why this individual, based upon what they've said previously, in terms of appreciation, is asking this. They've introduced themselves briefly what they do. They've shown us a level of um, appreciation. They have clearly followed my work, most recent work. They've, there's a real question. And there's a an offer of service and a call to action. Um, I'm really interested in sharing dot, dot, dot idea. Um, I would love to communicate again via these platforms. Is this something which you'll be interested in? If so, which of these um, platforms will be best? In short, yes, we're not meeting face to face. But going back to my own personal experience or lived experience as this new phrase, which is gaining a lot of speed. Trying to build a business in hair and beauty where 98% of the <laughs> clients were female. Mm. I couldn't do this face to face. I would be laughed out of the room or the salon. <laughs> so it was all virtual. That's, that's all I would say. And that shows the importance of necessity in making this a reality. Some really <laughs> strong advice there. I think for me, one of the key elements that people need to be aware of that your advice highlights is the importance of you going and actively expanding your circle rather than assuming or expecting your circle to expand naturally. Mm. If you want your circle to expand, you must take action. And you must be, you must be the architect of the action. What I mean by that is you can't just latch on to other people's antics or other people's motives in order to expand your circle because ultimately it's not necessarily going to go in the direction that you want it to. You must be in the driver's seat so that you are being intentional about how your circle expands. Now that sounds very wishy-washy, very high level. So let's bring it down a level. Let's talk about what you can do practically with that. Now, one of the things that we recommended a, a while ago, quite a few episodes ago, was the importance of a mastermind group. Yes. Meeting with like-minded people, two or three, regularly about your professional development ambitions, objectives. Now, because lockdown has happened, there's no reason for those regular meetings with trusted people to stop. They just need to go online into a Zoom format or to a, you know any other format that works. Even WhatsApp now has got um, a, a Zoom-style offering which you can exploit. So having those mastermind sessions 
every fortnight with people that you trust is a valuable way of you immediately expanding your network. And when I say expanding, it's your existing network, but you're learning more about who they are and what they have to offer and vice versa, what you have to offer them. Now, if you're not part of a, a mastermind and you know of people who do have a mastermind, invite yourself to their mastermind. Yeah. When are you having your next mastermind? Can I come? Remember, the, the network isn't going to come to you. You have to go to the network. So reach out. Now, once again, you might be asking yourself, well, how is this expanding my network if I'm just going to the mastermind of people who I already know? Well, this is the next step, which is at some point when you feel comfortable in your mastermind, if you've got a mastermind, you should employ this immediately. If you haven't got a mastermind, get yourself comfortable in one and then employ this tactic, which is ask the question, can we all at the end of this session, before the next session, commit to inviting two people to the next session. And these two people should be people who we feel are a good fit for the environment. So if everybody in your mastermind invites two people, you won't get everybody turning up. Maybe of all of the people in your mastermind, only two out of a group of maybe 10 invites may turn up. But that's two more people potentially to add to your network. And it's not a case of a very brief hello and bye. This is a place where you can actually actively delve into who these people are and why you may want to develop a relationship with them. Mm -hmm. Now, somebody may join your mastermind group and say, this is not for me, but it's definitely for so-and-so. So I'm going to send him the information if that's okay by you. Fantastic. And this may not be the form, the formal format of your mastermind session. Maybe this only happens once a quarter where you ask people to invite others into this space where everybody can share. And some of these people are going to join once and you'll never see them again. And some of these people are going to potentially turn out to be friends for life. Yes. But once again, it's about being intentional with the platforms and the activities that you use. Start from a place of safety, which is your current format of meeting up with friends on a regular basis to talk about professional development. And if you are in a space where there are no friends in your life that you can talk about professional development with, then that's an indictment on your current network. So really think hard about who's in your circle and why you can't find anybody who's willing to sit down with you on a fortnightly basis to talk to you about personal growth. I can't add anything. If to there that. are those, say again. No, no, continue, sorry. If, if the reason why you can't find those people to join your network is because they already have a network of their own, they already do a mastermind session with people who you don't know, perfect, can I join? And that's your new network. Go into that space with the intention of adding value and then use that as a conduit to grow your network. Please, guys, would it be all right if we have a session in a couple of weeks' time where we all commit to inviting a few people and see what kind of environment we have? Let's create an agenda. Let's create some discussion topics and let's really get the most out of this. And then make sure that you take down numbers of everybody you don't know. 
and build on it that way. I feel like what you were going to say. I was just going to stress that I can't add anything to that. I think that that is it. Start with the low-hanging fruit, the people that you know. But if you are struggling with that, I know of one individual who is, is sharing her own, not anxiety, but her own concern that she's trying to create a mastermind group, but the people that she's trying to create it with are just not committed. They don't have a shared vision or goal. Well, stop trying to lead them to it. That they're not the individuals who are going to be part of it. Look elsewhere. And yeah. as Abby mentioned, invite yourself to another one. Mastermind groups can become extremely close, very clicky, because what it starts out as is not what it becomes. When you're going in mm-hmm. that level of depth in terms of your professional development, inevitably it becomes personal development. Inevitably you're speaking about all things, that the bonds are incredible. Will there be sometimes a reluctance for them to open the door to a stranger? Potentially, yes. But they will always remember where they were. And you will get an invite. Will you get a residency? Most likely not. No. <laughs> but will that be the beginning of you introducing yourself, having to implement all the strategies we've mentioned in terms of networking, and then asking the right question, which is, who do you know that I should know? That that will just be the beginning. Position yourself environments at that. Last thing I'll say is I remember when Abby spoke about the the confident networker in a room and that it is advisable for you to position yourself close to them. I, I remember Ma- Madam C.J. Walker lived close to um, Rockefeller. Whether that was an intentional or not, so Madam C.J. Walker um, recorded as the first black female billionaire um, in the United States. Whether it was intentional or not, I do not know. But what is clear is that he was a believer of mastermind groups. When you have individuals like that in close proximity, inevitably, even though they're working in completely different industries, people, it doesn't have to be the same industry. (laughs) Iron sharpens iron. Practices in, in leadership, personal development, professional development, these strategies which are universal will be shared. So do not become reluctant to position yourself close to those who are doing it and to do not become reluctant to position yourself close to those who are doing it who are different to you they might not look like you they may not have just a similar education um, and ideally they haven't ideally this is completely different and they might not be in the same industry but these are all positives i think that's a perfect note to end on bro i enjoyed this um this is clearly about networking for the entrepreneur and the importance of it during our current climate. We, we all need to do it. And it's, it's a call to action for me to continue to do it. Uh, there was a time when I was relentless in it. And there are certain like prefixes I have on my phone for relationships which I developed. And when I type that into my contacts and I see all those people which have that prefix, they were all people who came from networks. There was a time when it was absolutely necessary to do that. And now I've, I've gone into a smaller group, but it's, it's, it's always important. Once you develop really powerful relationships, you will find that the people that they know will become a blessing to your life. And that, that's the stage I'm at in right now, but it's not a stage for me to become complacent in. I cannot still just know that my network's relationship is immediately my relationship. I must still do that audit and see, okay, what's next? Mm-hmm.
Fantastic. Well, brother, this has been a lot of fun. I really like this conversation because I think it helped us delve into some more interpersonal elements of, of personal development or you know, business growth, which I think is an area of interest for the both of us. Um, one of the points that was discussed right at the outset was if you have questions that you feel are not answered to the the best of our ability or that you feel like need to be elaborated on more, feel free to respond to us, get in touch with us and we'll delve into those questions in more detail. We did have one question about our purpose episode mm. um, where people really weren't satisfied with how much that we, we, we delved into how you identify your purpose and what, what approach you can take to to understanding your purpose in more detail. So we are going to commit some time to addressing that. I have to be honest, I look back at that episode before we started this one, and that was really an episode with no agenda <laughs> at all. We, we entitled it Purpose after we spoke, and I had about a 20-minute tangent about how much I hate multi-level marketing companies. Um, so yes, you're absolutely right, listener, that we didn't do that episode justice. I loved it. And we're going to delve back into that. I really did. I'm not going to lie. I loved it too. But um, we're here to serve. And if yes. you have a conversation, if you have a, a conversation that you'd like us to to provide more detail on, we will happily oblige. So look out for that episode. It's coming soon. And also look out. We've got some guests on the horizon um, who've got some really interesting stories to tell you. So more on that in the coming weeks. But as always, we just thank you for your time. Thank you for giving us an hour of your week. And we really appreciate the interactive nature. So if you've got any follow-ups that you'd like to share with us, we're all ears. This has been another episode of Expensive Lessons. Have a fantastic week. Take care, everyone. Take care.